it's really exciting to be able to do it. But I, I realized this morning I have like three different kinds of reading glasses for depending upon how far away my notes are from me. And uh, I had to go to a pair of, that I don't normally use because I'm, I'm, I'm reading my notes off of, uh, off of a stool here. And it just got me thinking, wow, you know, in the old days you just, well, you'd, you'd squint and you'd look down and all this, but uh, now you just get a different pair of glasses. I'm also really excited about this, this month because I have never taught about uh, spiritual wisdom before. Um, normally I get a chance to talk, I'm talking about things I already know about, uh, which is a good thing when you ask somebody to come speak if they're going to talk about something they know about. So I'm being real, you know, uh, transparent with you guys. I had to do some research on this whole issue of biblical wisdom. And I am so glad that I did because I am very excited about this topic. And we are going to be looking at it over this coming month from really four, we get four chimes to get together, four different uh, aspects uh, which I think is going to draw enough distinction so that when you guys are thinking about whether you're going to come next week, you're going to say, oh, I already know everything I need to know. No, I'm, I'm telling you, there's, there's really some interesting places to go with this whole concept. And, um, you know, you, you start thinking about wisdom. And I think a lot of us, whether we think we're wise or not, most of us will think, well, I know what it is. I don't, I'm not wise, but I know what it is, and so I don't need to learn any more about it. And what I hope to be able to do today is to kind of whet your appetite for where we're going to be going in, in, the, in the coming weeks. Um, we're going to be talking uh, this morning as sort of an introduction um, to the whole idea of wisdom before we get into using some of these amazing Bible characters who were considered to be wise and looking at their lives and how wisdom played uh, a huge role in, in, in what they did uh, in, in the way that we learn about them in Scripture. But the, uh, as we talk about wisdom, we got to differentiate. We got to kind of say, okay, what is wisdom? Uh, and as I talked to some friends of mine about this topic, it's, it's really curious because we think of wisdom and we think knowledge. And, and knowledge could be wisdom, but it isn't quite that. It's not common sense. It's not street smarts. It's something different. And, and the really cool thing is the difference is what makes it really important to you and me as, as believers in, in Christ. So we're going to look at it from the idea, uh, next week we're going to look at Joseph and the character of Joseph and the whole idea of the benefits of wisdom. And then the following week we're going to talk about Joshua and we're going to talk about the process of wisdom and how it played out in Joshua's life. And then we're going to look at a guy that you may never have heard of called Solomon. And we're going to look at how you get wisdom and, what, and the downside, perhaps, of wisdom. So let's, as we begin, uh, let me just say that nearly every culture has some sort of, places some sort of value on wisdom. And, but it may not always be the same. It may not always be what you're thinking of, because most will agree that the statements about wisdom are useful and they're encouraging, but nearly everybody will say, well, wisdom is something you either have it or you don't. If, if you don't have it, then you probably aren't ever going to get it because some people are wise and some people aren't. But it's not like that. Um, it comes from two words. Anybody know what those two words would be? Wisdom. When you look at it, the, the idea 
is that it comes from the idea of philosophy. And, and wisdom from philosophy means philo, the love, and sophia, wisdom, of knowledge. So essentially, not, this idea of wisdom comes from this concept of a love of knowledge, which is great. So why do people study philosophy? What would be the point of that? Well, we study it because we think, well, if I know enough, if I'm wise enough, then I won't make mistakes, and I'll be cautious, and I'll be successful. And that's what I want. It's not necessarily that I want to be considered to be wise. I want to be able to use that wisdom to make my life better. Well, that's good as far as it goes, but there's so much more to wisdom than that that we're going to go over in just a second here. Biblical wisdom is similar in some ways to this concept of loving knowledge. But the Greeks who developed all of this would say that you could have wisdom and not have any kind of deity or any kind of God involved in it. You could develop it on your own. You could study hard enough, and that would be sufficient. The difference between that and biblical wisdom, as you might surmise, is that we say that wisdom is given by God. It is a knowledge, but it's a knowledge and it's, a, and it's an awareness of God and his truth. And so uh, for the Christian, the Lord is the beginning and the end of wisdom. It's all going to be ingrained in the Lord. And that's something that we're going to have as a common theme throughout this month is where the Lord fits into any kind of study or any kind of discussion that we would have on this concept of wisdom. So where does wisdom come from? Well, you probably remember the scripture that says something is the beginning of wisdom. You remember what that word would be? Fear. Fear of the Lord is the, is the beginning of wisdom. So I agree with that. It's scripture. There's not, no way to disagree with it, right? So the idea then is we need to make sure we understand what fear of the Lord is. And I know that most of you have been around church quite a while, and you'd understand that fear of the Lord isn't meaning that you've got to be afraid of the Lord, that you have to be concerned over some sort of, of anxiety about the Lord. It means something entirely different. What does fear of the Lord mean? Say what? Respect. What else over here? Reverence. What else? Say again? The awesome, power. the awesome power. So recognizing that awesome power. Yeah, you guys are hitting the target here. Um, uh, that's what fear means, to, 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 to look at God in a way that takes us away from the idea that we can get something from God or that he has something to offer us. It's more about recognizing God's character and living our lives in a way that, that gives us uh, the opportunity to express that in our own lives, what our appreciation for God would be. Um, so wisdom is not equivalent to knowledge of facts. And I think we can all agree with that. But can you have wisdom and not knowledge? No, you can't. It's impossible to be wise and to be ignorant. That would be something that would, if you saw somebody and they said he was wise and it was clear that the person was ignorant, you'd say, there's a disconnect. Something's wrong here. So you've got to have a certain amount of knowledge. And that is going to play very heavily into our understanding of wisdom and how it will affect the way that we live. So the best way 
to become wise, understanding that knowledge is a part of this, is certainly to develop our knowledge of God. Wouldn't you say? I mean, that's got to be at least a jumping off point. What God does with that knowledge may be something different in each of our lives, but at least we can start there. And so as we begin this journey to understand wisdom, we got to say, well, where's our teaching going to come from? Do we have enough stuff about wisdom in Scripture to guide our, our path, to guide our journey on this? Well, I think that we do, and that's one of the things we're going to be talking about, particularly this morning. We're going to go into the book of Proverbs this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn, turn to the, uh, uh, the third chapter of Proverbs, but I you know, don't, don't have to do that. But before we do that, I want, to, I want to say something about the book of Proverbs. How many of y'all have read all the way through the book of Proverbs? Honestly, yeah. How many of y'all love the book of Proverbs? See, that's a pretty good answer, and I appreciate y'all's honesty. Because to some, to me even, to some degree, you start reading Proverbs, and then after you get a couple of verses in, or a couple of chapters in, it's kind of like, well, I read that before. Well, I read that before. Well, I read that before. Well, that's just a repeat. Well, uh, this is just a bunch of, this is just a list of things. Okay, let me get on to one of these stories about some really cool character, or let me read about what Jesus thinks about this, and you move on. But I want you to think about something as we're talking about the concept of wisdom. Who wrote the book of Proverbs? Anybody know? Solomon. Now, we're going to talk about Solomon, as I said, in, in the fourth week of this. But if I said, describe Solomon for me in just a few words, what would you say? Wise. wise. He's the wisest guy that what? Ever lived. He's a wise guy. Yeah. But, but the truth is, he is the wisest man who ever lived. And how did he get that way? God made him that way. Especially because he asked, because he was, he was too, Solomon was able to ask God for whatever he wanted. And Solomon had the, had the brain power to say, this is going to be a tough job, being king of all of, uh, all of Judah and all of Israel, and I, I, I want to be wise. And God said, okay, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to make you the wisest man who ever lived and whoever will live. So that's who Solomon is. Now let's look at the book of Proverbs. If you knew that there was a book written by the wisest man who ever lived and ever would live with the express purpose of giving his descendants a way to be successful in life, would you look at that book and say, man, that may be the most important book I may ever read? If it's written in a certain way, if it only had 10 verses in it, that's what this guy, who's the wisest guy ever to live, thinks that I need to know. That's all he thinks I need to know. If it's written with 10 chapters, 20 chapters, whatever it happens to be, however it's put together, can we agree that perhaps our understanding of the book of Proverbs, at least for those of us who kind of looked at it like it was just a list of, well, well you, know, probably, you know, do this, do that, do that that maybe there's more to the book of Proverbs than, than some of us understand. And it's really worth our attention. That's what I want you to get from what I just was talking about. I am overwhelmed at this point as I think about the idea 
that the wisest man who ever lived wrote out some life instructions and I have looked at it as though it wasn't as important as perhaps other things that I might be able to study. And I'm ashamed to be able to say that, but I'm going to rectify that. And I've already started by putting these lessons together for you guys. So as we move on, let's, we're in the, in, uh, uh, starting with verse 13 in Proverbs 3. And let me just read this for you. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. I should say this in case you aren't familiar with Proverbs. Uh, wisdom is often in Proverbs considered to be a woman. And so it'll say she or her, and that's what it's talking about. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. Let's stop right there for now. Now, all of that gives us basic encouragement about one thing. We read from this that depending upon how we agree that this can be appropriated for our lives, it is possible that our lives can be joyful. They can profit us more than silver or gold. They can be our ultimate desire. They can give long life, riches, and honor can lead the way to delight and happiness. Well, that's a pretty good life. If you just had that, if you could have those things, you'd probably say that's pretty good. In fact, in my counseling over the years with, with, with men and women, I would say that most of the time when I'm talking with somebody, they're struggling with one of those issues. In fact, there's a history professor at Valencia College who's become a good friend. Now this guy is considered to be the top history professor in all of Valencia College. He's received some awards along that line. His students have reflected that in their reviews of him. The head of the university has told him that he is the finest history professor that he has ever worked with in all of the colleges he's ever worked with. This guy is the history professor's history professor. And he asked me to come out and talk with him recently, and I sat down with him, and he said, I am so unhappy. I am so, I don't know what to do. I don't know what is wrong with my life. And as we started working through his life, he was unsatisfied that all of this, all of this attention that he might have received for being a great history professor simply wasn't enough for him. Now, I got to the heart of it when I was talking to him because several times as we were talking, he started bringing up the topic of money. And, you know, when somebody brings that up several times, you start to say, okay, there's an underlying issue here that maybe this guy is feeling like he's not being compensated enough for what he's doing. That's usually not an indication, by the way, for those of you who are in that, in, in that mindset, that you're not making enough money it's usually, an, it's usually an idea that you've got obligations that you're not able to meet. And the only thing you're doing that 
can help meet those obligations is your work. And so that's where you turn to say, I need to make more money at what I'm doing. And that can be frustrating. And quite frankly, for him, it was really getting in the way of him enjoying his work. It was causing him to think, maybe I should just stop this whole thing and do something else. And that's, that's a big deal. So the concept that, I, and the reason I brought him up is, here we've got the idea that wisdom can bring a satisfaction in so many of these areas in life. And yet there was an example of a guy who I would consider wise, and he's a believer, um, who was not happy. And so there was some disconnect there, something wrong. But then we keep reading, and we say, by understanding of wisdom, in verse 19 and 20, by wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. By understanding, he created the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth, and the dew settles beneath the night sky. Well, so we just got off these verses that say, hey, by wisdom you can have profits, you can have good life and all this. And then we get to these verses. And you think, what in the world is this talking about? The Lord created the earth through wisdom. Well, I think we need to understand that that's exactly what he's talking about. That the Lord founded the earth by wisdom, created the heavens by, not, by understanding. Knowledge founded the fountains and the dew. You see... There's a lot of people that ascribe to this chaos theory of the development of the world. You know, the craziness came together and became something that was not crazy anymore, that was firm. So the Big Bang theory or um, some other accidental theory of how the, how the earth was formed. And everything came together to coexist. But this verse tells us that God did it completely, on his own, without any of that, with wisdom as the foundation for everything. This is wisdom that we're talking about. This is what a lot of us think, okay, this is knowledge. No, it's much more than that. Because if God used wisdom to create the earth, then everything that is around us is, 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 has got wisdom at its base, at its essence. God used wisdom to create the earth and to, and to identify it as being the perfect host for us, scientifically, when you look at the precariousness of the, of the earth, some of you that may have some interest in science, it's the angle of the earth, the number of days in the day, the amount of darkness, the amount of light, all of that is perfect to host life for us. And God used knowledge and wisdom to create all of that. Now, does this make wisdom seem maybe a little bit more important to you, maybe a little more to be treasured to you, perhaps. But then the chapter takes a subtle turn. In verse 21, my child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes from the wisdom uh, from the wicked. Well, the subtle turn here is the word common sense. I mean, it could have said, and some of the verses say by wisdom, but a more accurate um, translation of this is truly common sense. What is common sense? How come common sense comes in here when we're talking about wisdom? Well, common sense 
defined is applying experience and facts to form opinions and make decisions. We're told that common sense refreshes our soul, keeps us safe, allows us not to fear, not to be afraid. Well, that's interesting. Because I have a grandson. He's a great kid. He's seven years old. And he pays a lot of attention to the weather. Weather's very important to him. When he sees a storm coming off in the distance, he would become very fearful when it would be raining. He would go into his room and just hide. When he would hear thunder, he was very afraid of it. And this whole concern about weather became very powerful to him, and it affected how he lived his life. And so what we did was we bought him a little weather station, you know, these kind of things you can get that tells you what's going to happen. And we showed him how to read the maps on his little Kindle thing, that Kindle for kids, that shows him the radar about where the, where the weather is. And it changed his understanding of weather completely. And now... He still has a healthy interest in the weather. I don't know that he's ever going to be a weatherman kind of a deal, but he has a healthy interest in it. But he'll bring you his Kindle and he say, hey, there's a storm over here and it's coming and we're going to probably get some rain. Seven years old. But he's got a lot more common sense now regarding the concept of weather. And it allows him to avoid being fearful about the weather. I think that is wonderful, and that's a great lesson for us as we develop common sense through knowledge. Some of the things that concern us don't have to necessarily continue to concern us. Finally, the verse ends with something that seems to be belong somewhere else in Scripture to me. It says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and I'll help you. Don't plot harm against your neighbor. For those who live nearby trust you. Don't pick a fight without reason when no one has done you harm. Well, what happened to our discussion about wisdom? Now we've kind of switched. This is why people have a problem with the whole concept of Proverbs. It's kind of like, where do you go? What happened to Solomon? Hey, we're talking about something completely different now. But are we? You see, that's the beauty of this whole concept of wisdom. Wisdom involves our relationship with others. And this is what Solomon's trying to teach us with these words. A wise person helps others, does not withhold good, does not plot against, does not pick a fight. Why is this here? Well, remember the greatest commandment? Love God and love others. It's basically the, the, the quick way to say it. Well, certainly there's a self-serving a self, uh, aspect to that whole concept of love, uh, helping others, loving others, because we all have this feeling of what goes around comes around, right? And if I'm kind to you, then people will be kind to me, and the bad guy in the film always gets his comeuppance, unless it was the last Avengers movie, and then it doesn't count. But other than that, we're in good shape if we do good to others, because probably karma, Remember? That's not what this is about. Many of you guys, how many of you all know who Dan Hayden is? Have heard of Dan Hayden? Well, not a big number. Dan Hayden had a radio show. Dan Hayden and I were in ministry together when we were living in Michigan. 
he was a pastor. And he came down here to work with Sola Scriptura at the Holy Land Experience. He has a radio program that's still broadcast today called A Word from the Word. Uh, Dan is a pastor's pastor. Dan probably knows more scripture than any human being that I know memorized. He has an entire, if you, if you all took a look at the book that I did on foundations, the whole back end of that book is Dan's process for how you memorize scripture. And he practices that. Dan knows more scripture than anyone. And yet Dan is also sought out to counsel people as more than you might ever imagine. And I think this is a God thing because God knows that Dan is going to provide godly counsel to these people. Well, the interesting thing about this is when Dan talks to me about counseling others, when he was helping me as I was learning how to be a better counselor and a better you know, a person to, to help others, Dan doesn't use that wisdom to just throw out at people when he's counseling them. Dan is the most considerate listener that I have ever witnessed. He will take the time to listen to what you're saying, hear your concerns, and he doesn't just say, oh, well, there's a scripture that talks about that, and here it is. He will take time to work with somebody, and he says that that approach to counseling has caused more people to consider the cause of Christ than any amount of scripture that he's ever shared. That kind of approach to relationships. And that's what Solomon is talking about here, is the idea that a wise man is more concerned about the relationships with others than an unwise man. And then it finishes up, this verse 35 tells us this really simple thing, and we're getting ready to move on to the next verse, and it says, the wise inherit honor. Okay. Let's move on. The wise inherit honor. Okay, I got that. But let's stop there just for a second before you get to your table questions. As if all this worldly stuff that we just read about isn't enough, we are promised honor if we are wise. Honor is synonymous with glory, respect, distinction. It is a reward after accomplishing something with success. People with honor are people of high worth, people who can decide right from wrong. Now there's military folks here that have, guys that have been in the military, I was in the military for 20 years. We've got ways of recognizing honor in the military. And everybody knows what they are. They're medals that they would award to somebody, or their certificates, or their plaques. Ways to recognize somebody's actions in the military. But we have one that's called the Medal of Honor. It's the highest and most prestigious personal decoration that can be awarded to somebody. Normally, it's only the President of the United States that can award it on behalf of Congress. That's why it's called the Congressional Medal of Honor. In addition to all the pomp and circumstance of receiving that medal, the recipients receive a monthly financial stipend, privileges, by using air travel and all this, uh, use of all military facilities, invitations to all the inaugural balls. All of these things come your way if you get this medal of honor. So what's my point? My point in this is that beyond the act of salvation, 
and the idea that we can be saved. Is there anything more significant that God can do than bestow honor on someone, if you think of it under those terms? And that honor is bestowed on those who seek wisdom. So I'm going to get into your table questions now. But this sort of gives you an idea of what we're going to be talking about over the next over the next weeks here as we get together to talk about biblical wisdom. So I can do I turn it over to Dave? To, yeah, go ahead. Aren't you late? Love you, buddy. It's <laughs> awesome. You know, Stu is one of the founders. He was one of the guys that met with me in the living room 10 years ago. And any time that I got stuck on teaching stuff, I say, Stu, help me with this. Um, so thank you for your teaching this morning. So um, knowledge is knowing that I'm not, I'm supposed to get five or six or seven or eight hours of sleep. <laughs> Wisdom is not watching movies until 1 a.m. <laughs> this morning <laughs> with my daughter. Um, knowledge is knowing that I'm not supposed to touch the hot stove. Someone's told me that. You're not supposed to touch the hot stove. You get burned if you touch the hot stove. Wisdom is not touching the hot stove. Um, one of my, my favorite verse, not one of my, my favorite verse is Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all you're getting, get understanding. Ever since I've been little, I've wanted to be known as a wise person, someone that would be able to navigate the complexity of whatever the circumstance is and be able to give advice. If you were to look in my high school yearbook, you'd see a very full-haired dude. I used to have a big old mullet. It was nice. I used to have a lot of hair. And underneath it, when I graduated from high school, it said I wanted to be a psychologist because I want to help people. Being someone that is wise or known as someone that's being wise, in this room, I know who I should go to for knowledge. And I know who I should go to for wisdom, which is the application of knowledge. There are certain people in this community that I would deem as very wise people because they've had a lot of bruises and cuts and experiences and I know who to go to and say, listen, I'm really needing some wisdom. I don't need knowledge because I've got Google. <laughs> and I can Google most anything. But I need some wisdom in terms of how to apply the stuff that I'm learning about. Iron sharpens iron is what? There is a combined amount at each one of your tables, a significant amount of knowledge. And there are a few guys in that table that have some deep, deep wisdom. So as you go through these questions that Stu has laid out there for you guys, just let that sit on you. These domes of confidence that are being created in this room are intentional. It's intentional for authenticity to happen. For you guys to be authentic, that's the first step in discipleship, is for one man, for me to sit with Dale, and Dale to say, listen, I hear the questions, this is what we're talking about today, but I'm going to share something related to this, and this is what's on my heart this morning, guys, and I need it to stay in this table. We're here every Friday, knowledge is saying, I know that I'm supposed to be a better man. The Bible tells me I'm supposed to be a better man. The Bible tells me I'm supposed to be in community. 
Wisdom is getting your butt here. 